to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. I am excited to be before you today. I, I got a word I want to jump into. Remain standing with me for a moment. I, I simply want to talk um, um, for a moment today from the subject, stir, stir it up. Stir it up. Everybody say stir it up. Stir it up. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, and then we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Acts chapter 28, 30 and 31, it says, Then Paul dwelt dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No one forbidding him. And then 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So as we talk about stir it up, just remain standing for a moment. I, I remember his own rented house as a child. I don't know about you. I know all of us can brag about the same thing, but I don't know about you, but I I, I, I grew up with parents that, that can throw down in the kitchen. No one forbidding him. Not only can my mom throw down, my dad can throw down in the kitchen. I didn't get this way for nothing. Amen. One of the specialties that my mother and my dad have, my dad can make a red velvet cake that'll make you slap somebody. For God is not I, I don't know if you all talk that way, but in the black culture, we, we, we sitting at the kitchen table eating, we be like, oh, this is so good, I feel like slapping somebody. So as we talk about stirring up, just remain standing for a moment. I, I remember as a child, I had the privilege child, of, of watching my mother in the kitchen before the kitchen aids came out. Before the big blenders and all these things came out. My mother had a whisk. I, I, I grew up with parents that she would take the bacon soda, the butter, the margarine. She would take flour, eggs, cocoa, whatever she was using to make the cakes, whether it was red velvet, whether it was pineapple, whether it was coconut, whether it's key lime, whether it's 7-up pound cake, whether it's, I don't know if you've heard about the orange crushed grape cake, pound cake, she can, yeah, you'll want to slap somebody, won't you? I feel like slapping somebody. Now, now, I'm going to give you a little secret. If you're eating a piece of pound cake and you need some sweet tea to wash it down, that ain't good pound cake. If you're eating a piece of pound cake and it's going down real good, you be like, I don't need nothing to drink with this. That's some good pound cake. Now, don't go beat your mom up because I told you that. Amen. Email Pastor Chris at Pastor Chris at AOL.com. Amen. Red velvet, but it was I, I watched my mother, and, 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 and listen, you can put the eggs in the, in the bowl, but the eggs by themselves don't make the cake. I don't know if you've heard about the, you put flour in the bowl, orange flour, crushed the bacon cake, pound cake, you can put the baking soda in the bowl, but the baking soda in the bowl by itself doesn't make the cake. You can put the butter, the margarine in the bowl, but that by itself doesn't make the cake. As a matter of fact, you can take all of those ingredients, put them in the bowl, if you do nothing to them, they do not make the cake. 
But one by one, my mother would begin to put flour in it. And all the other ingredients in there, she never started adding with eggs and she gets that whip pound cake. Whisk and start Don't go stirring beat your mama it up. up because I told you that. Amen. She started stirring it up. Email Pastor Chris and, 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 and Pastor then Chris by the time she was finished, come. she began Amen. to pour the, the batter into the cake pans and put them in the oven. But, I, I but before she can get rid of that bowl, whoa, mom! Whoa! Stop! Let me have that bowl right there. How many of you were like me? I just wanted the batter. I stuck two fingers in there. I didn't need a spoon. I didn't need anything. But 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 before you sit down, touch two or three people and tell them stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Do nothing. Stir it up. Do not bake the cake. Stir it up. But one by one, my mother would begin to put flour. Stir it up. Hallelujah. As we talk about the subject today, the last book of Acts. The, the batter ends with the, the life of Paul being held and put him in the oven. But, but, but before she can get rid of that this bowl, is the first oh, time he's arrested in Rome. Oh, Every city Paul goes into, you're going to either have one or two things. Right you're going to either have revival. How many of you were like me? I just wanted the batter. I stuck Paul two fingers just in there. this kind of apostle. I didn't need a spoon. I didn't need you anything. You either loved him or you but, hated but, him. But, but before you sit down, touch So he's under house arrest. Stir it up. Stir it up. chapter 28 of Acts ends telling us Paul's mission. Stir it up. And Paul's mindset. It tells us that he was under house arrest, and it says that he would teach and preach to the people of God pertaining to the kingdom of God. And he would preach Christ. I love that because that's what it's talking about as we looked in the book of Acts at the end of it. 28 verse 31, it says, no one forbidding him. That simply means in another version, he preached Jesus Christ under house I love it because there's no distractions like in his life. He doesn't have all the commodities and the things that we have today. He doesn't have social media, which the new iPhones, they tell you how much time you spend on some of these apps. Some of you need to start looking at that. Tell you how many, how many hours we're spending on social media. And Paul didn't have Facebook. He didn't have Instagram. He didn't have Twitter. He didn't have all of these things that take a lot of our time. He didn't have Netflix. Netflix is good, but sometimes Netflix is of the devil, amen, because they keep looping these episodes, and by the time you get hooked, you keep watching it, and next thing you know, you done took a whole day watching Netflix, amen. Nothing wrong with any of that. Just make sure you give God his time. An amazing fact about the book of Acts is it is one of the only books that have no benediction. You look at it, and you'll find that it has no close at the end of the book of Acts. The reason is because the acts of the Holy Spirit, they never cease. They never cease. In fact, if we look at it, we're still writing the book of Acts, chapter 29, chapter 30, chapter 31, chapter 500. Which chapter are you writing right now? We're still writing the book of Acts to this day. The second thing amazing about this text is Paul is in prison, but he's preaching and teaching to them unhindered without being held back, without containment. I find it amazing that you can be locked up but not locked out. We can be locked up in many situations in our lives, but God wants you to know through the power of the Holy Spirit. And no matter if you're locked up in situations, you don't have to be locked out. As the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. And when God has empowered you to be who you are, you can operate 
no matter where you are. And the Apostle Paul wants to teach us this lesson. I know a lot of folks that are free, but they're hindered. They deal with containment. And I looked at this thing for a while, and I didn't say this in the first service, but we, we, we live in a life, uh, we, we, we live a life, and we, we live in a, in a, in a, in a place of, of, of just not enough. You go to sleep at night, and sometimes you wake up, and the first thing we say is, I didn't get enough sleep. We go to work, and we work all day, and we say, come home and say, I didn't get enough done. That's deficiency mode. And God didn't call his children to live in deficiency mode because at the end of the day, it's all about mindsets. Mindset is one of the toughest things to break because once you've been trained a certain way, it's hard to change how you see that. Mindsets are so important, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to really break the wrong mindsets off our, off our lives because some believers, we live in this deficiency mode and we limit the grace of God. We limit the grace of God. Thank God for his grace. Thank God, as pastor has taught us on a number of occasions, that mercy is us not getting what we do deserve and grace is us getting everything we don't. Thank God for the blood, amen, of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, that has liberated us, that has freed us. But guess what? The amazing thing about grace is you got to receive it. You got to receive grace and mercy. You got you to walk in grace and mercy. You got to receive what God has done in our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 that God has made all grace abound toward you, that you always, being sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This means, church, that we don't live with a mentality that we don't have enough. And in and through Jesus Christ, I am complete, you are complete. Guess what? We all are complete. Let me say that one more time. In and through Jesus Christ, I am complete, you are complete, we all are complete in Jesus Christ. This is why the scripture says, in him do I live, I move, and I have my being. You get that? In Jesus Christ, do I live and I move and I have my being. This is so important because there are some things in your life that may not be manifested yet. But if you be not weary in doing good, guess what? You're going to reap in due season if you faint not. I want to encourage you, don't start fainting yet. It's too, it's too late in the game. Don't start fainting yet because just when you get ready to faint, God is getting ready to give breakthrough in your life. But you need to trust him and say, God, though he, though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him and I'm going to believe you at your word, God, that I'm going to keep standing. And after I've done all to stand, I'm going to keep standing. Amen. That's what you need to do. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It is a faith walk to understand the scripture that says he's already given us all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Truth is, we're in Kronos. God is in eternity. We're in time. God is in eternity, but in his eternity, he's already given us everything he's going to give us. It's not like he's trying to do it again. Because when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, he said, it's finished. I'm done. I've completed. That's just the sovereignty of God. But when we mature and get to the place where we're supposed to be at, his eternity meets our time and things will begin to manifest in our lives. So Paul, 
allow anything to come in between his purpose and his design. It was Paul that stated in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation first to the Jew and then to the Greek. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in his pastoral epistle to Timothy, a verse down from where we stopped at 2 Timothy 1 and 8, he tells Timothy, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. This is because the same anointing that's on you will get into people that are surrounding you. I need you to hear me. The same anointing that's on you will get into people that are surrounding you. This is why we got to be careful what kind of vibe we're putting off as people, but at the same time, we got to be careful who we hang around and what kind of vibe they're putting off because I don't have time for negativity in my life. You don't have time for negativity in your life. If your best friend, every time you say, how are you doing? Oh, girl, let me tell you, girl, it's just been a rough day. And you see them again the next day. Oh, how you doing? Oh, girl, it's just been a rough day. It's time for you to say, well, I'm going to pray for you, but I can't hang around you all the time because I don't need negativity all the time. Instead, God is looking for some blood-bought believers who know that I'm going to do, I'm going to go through some things in this life, but you know what? Jesus is still Lord. So you ask me how I'm doing, I may say, hey, I'm going through something, but praise God. God is still good. That's what God is looking for. Amen. Don't need negativity. Don't need pessimistic people all the time in my life. I need some optimistic folks that know that we serve an amazing God, and he's going to work everything out for our good. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. So I don't have time to hang around the wrong kind of people. As a matter of fact, this is the amazing thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has its own language. When we get saved, we got to learn to talk the way the kingdom talks. We can't keep talking the way the world talks. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Sometimes it's almost like I got to say the opposite of what I'm going through in the sense of understanding what the Bible says about Abram or Abraham, how he called for those things which were not as though they were. Now, I'm talking faith talk. Everybody may not be able to receive this, but if you're able to receive this, sometimes you got to be going through hell and high water, but still talk about the good place that you're at in life instead of the bad place that you're living at right now. Because I'd rather boast about how big my God is rather than my big problem that I'm dealing with. Because I believe my big God can bring me out of this bad situation. Hallelujah. I believe that he's able. Hallelujah. To do exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. He's able to do it. Hallelujah, somebody. And so Paul didn't allow anything to come in between his purpose and his design. As a matter of fact, it appears in scriptures that the apostles, they got more fired up, not when they were free, but when they were under persecution. They, they allowed persecution to fire them up even more. Don't preach no more in the name of Jesus. And Peter and, 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 and Peter and Paul, Peter, who was it? Peter and Silas? Who was it? Peter and John. There you go. I can't think. That, that's the pastor right there. Amen. I can't help but to tell of the things that I've seen and heard. You know, beat me all you want to. Amen. I can't help. Sometimes we keep talking about the simple things that we go through in life. And I'm not making light of your situation and your circumstances. Yes, I know it's heavy. I know it's hard. I deal with some things too. But I still know at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. 
Hallelujah, somebody. So listen, the enemy really doesn't care. This is important. The enemy really doesn't care that we come in here and we sing and shout. That's important to you and I, and that's important in our relationship with God. But the enemy doesn't care. You know why he doesn't care? Because there ain't no competition in this house. We gather for that purpose, to praise and to worship God. That's nothing, that's not a real threat to his kingdom. The real threat to the enemy's kingdom is, can you sing and shout at home in your living room when all hell is breaking loose in your life? Because I want you to know praising him here is good, but if you hadn't done it at home. See, see, at home is rehearsal time. When you get here, this is when we join together as, as the host of heaven. Amen, somebody. And, and we begin to worship together here. But when you can do it at home, when you're all by yourself and all hell is breaking loose, that's what poses a threat to the kingdom of the enemy. Because he cannot take you to hell, but if he can contain you while you're here, he's accomplished what he's come for. Because you live a life where you're no longer a threat to his kingdom. So... The letter of Timothy is amazing because both letters of Timothy were written from prison. First letter was written from this house arrest. Second letter of Timothy was written from, in Rome, from a prison called the Mamertine Prison. And the steps of this prison was where Paul's life ended. Because this would be the place today where death row inmates would be at. You knew once you got to the Mamertine Prison, there was no getting out. And Paul finds himself there, but in the meanwhile, Paul has to deal with this crazy dude, this crazy man. He had to deal with this person named Nero, and Nero was the leader of the Roman Empire. Paul was arrested, not for necessarily just being a Christian, but Paul was arrested for being a political threat to Nero's empire. Because God came to establish his kingdom. This is what Jesus said, or the scripture says in Matthew 4 and 17. It says, from that point, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of God, what, is at hand. So Nero thought that he was Lord, but Paul showed up day by day saying, Jesus is Lord. And Nero, who was, according to history, a maniac, Nero was psychotic, he was bipolar, Nero was a pedophile, Nero was bisexual, Nero did some crazy things. He burnt the city of Rome in 64 AD so that he could blame it on the Christians. And then he began to take Christians and make sport of them. He would find where Christians would gather, like this place, and he'd come in and arrest all of us, and he'd put us in dungeons, and then he let the people gather in the Colosseums, and then he would let us out into the Colosseums, and we think everything may be okay, but we knew once we got in his hands, it was going to be a bad ending. He would then release lions, hungry lions, on the Christians who would come out and rip Christians to shred. Nero was so crazy that he had these wild parties in his backyard. And instead of using lamps to light the place up at night, you know what Nero did? He would take Christians and he would stake them and put them on posts and bury the posts in his backyard and tar the Christians. And then he would light them up to make sport of Christians while he had these wild parties 
in his backyard. Nero was crazy. Nero said, I am the Lord of Rome. But Paul shows up and say, nah, bro, I hear you, but I got news for you. Paul said, Jesus is Lord. We got to be able to stand in the midst of a world that I don't care which side of the fence you on. I've discovered that God don't ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. Amen, somebody. But God came to establish his kingdom. Amen. And as believers, we got as pastor tell us all the time, stand for righteousness in the midst of what we're going through and in the midst of voting and all of these things. But we need to stand and say, Jesus is Lord, and that's where my vote is. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. Nero said, I'm Lord, but Paul said, nope, Jesus is Lord. And Paul is arrested. He's dropped down in a pit. He's dropped in a dungeon. No light. No, no nothing. He knew it was the end of his life. And here's Paul in a pit. And this is what Paul says. He says, what shall I do? Well, he says, I, I might as well. Might as well do what I've been called to do. Got no other decision. I don't have no other choice. I can't get out of here. So Paul asks one of the Roman guards, he says, could you please go get me some parchment paper and a pen because I got a right to my fellow Christians to let them know that no matter what they're going through, Jesus is still Lord. And I don't mean to sound cliche in this room today, but Paul says, I got to write them and let them know not only that Jesus is Lord, but I got to let them know everything is going to be all right. I want to preach that to you all today that I know some of you are dealing with some things in your life, but you need to know that in Christ Jesus, everything is going to be all right. When I tell you hashtag locked up but not locked out, when I tell you hashtag committed to his assignment, this is the life and times of Paul. When I tell you hashtag it didn't matter who was standing in front of him. When I tell you hashtag committed to his assignment. When I tell you hashtag hallelujah somebody. When I tell you that he was sold out unto death, this is the life of our brother Paul. Mm -hmm. But I would guess so Paul is only following in the footsteps of his Lord Jesus Christ who, has, who was persecuted 32 years before he was for the same cause, preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. So he's on house arrest and, and Jesus' passion has become his. It's important that Jesus' passion become our passion. That what, what, what Jesus was passionate about souls and lives and, and all of the things of the kingdom that we become passionate about the same thing. And, and, and Paul is thinking about God's people and Paul says, oh, you know what? I, I got to write them a love letter in Christ and he's in a dungeon and he doesn't stop. He still finds a way. By the way, when you're in the Mamertine prison down in the dungeon, guess what? There's feces all over the place. There's urine all over the place. There was a stench. There was an odor. But Paul says, I cannot let this detour me from what God has called me to do. I still have an assignment to write to the people of God against all odds and tell them to stand for their relationship for the kingdom of God, stand for their relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's preaching the same thing to us today. Stand for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Stand for the kingdom of God against all odds. You cannot lose serving the God we serve. 
Hallelujah. You may go through some things, but God wants you to know that he has your back. And he's going to take care of everything that's going on in your life. This is why Romans 8.31 tells us that if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, that's more than the world that could rise up against us. Because Jesus, our God, he's everything. Hallelujah, someone. And that's what we need to stand on. As a matter of fact, I don't want to preach it out of context. I understand the context. But one revelation, if we back up just a few verses, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things, I'm talking about Christians that love God. Do you really love God in this room today? If you love God, come on, make a sound. And we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, for those that are called according to his purpose. So, so, so watch this. The church had become afraid because they felt like if I associate with Paul, the same thing that happened to Paul is going to happen to me. So the church at Laodicea, they pulled away. Laodicea was the wealthiest city in Asia Minor. And they felt like if they're associated with Paul, it's going to affect our economy. The church at Pergamos pulled away. Pergamos was the capital city. So the people at Pergamos felt like if we're associated with Paul, it's going to affect who we are. And then Paul finally got word that Timothy, his son in the ministry, was feeling the pressure of what was going on. And Paul says, I, I got to get to my son. I got to talk to him because people are starting to fall away, but I got to let them know they got to take a stand. And after having done all the stand, they got to keep on standing. And after they've stood again, you got to keep on standing for the cause of the kingdom of God, knowing that God is going to be with you and he's going to keep you in the midst of it all. That's why we can't go with the popular opinion of people. We got to stand on the word of God. Hallelujah, someone. I thank God that we got a pastor that's a visionary that's going to push the vision of God that God has given him. More than the popular opinion of, 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 of our church. Amen, somebody. I know we got staff and elders and all those things, but he hears from God. Give God a praise for that. Yes. Praise God. You got to understand a few things about Timothy. Timothy had to minister from a place of disadvantage. You say, I, 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 I never heard this before. Yeah, he did. You, you know why Timothy had to minister from a place of disadvantage? Because Timothy was the result of a mixed relationship. His father was a Gentile. His mother was a Jew. And, and the Jews wouldn't hear Timothy because of his father. And the, and the, and the, and the, the Gentiles wouldn't hear Timothy because of his, 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 his mother. So, so Timothy had to minister from a place of disadvantage. But, 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 but here he is at a place of what seems to be a disadvantage, but he was called by God. And how many of you know that our earthly disadvantages are God's heavenly advantages to do the miraculous in the earth realm? So I don't care what place of disadvantage you may be coming from right now. You need to know God wants to use your situation and God wants to use your testimony and God wants to use your story to help somebody. Come on, get translated into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will use whomever he wants. He'll use the worst of the worst. Hallelujah. He'll use whom he wants. And so Paul tells Timothy, who was now pastor of the church at Ephesus, 
Timothy is leading the largest church at this time in the New Testament. History tells us this church had over 30,000 members, and Timothy is leading this church. And, and, and in our second text today, Paul is writing to him from a dungeon at the Mamertine prison, Timothy, all the instructions I've given you, this is how you're going to be able to carry them out. Verses 6 and 7 of 2 Timothy 1, he says, Therefore I remind you, watch this, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, Timothy, is not giving you the spirit of timidity. He's not giving you spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Watch this. He says, Timothy, you got three things going for you. I know you you feel like you're ministering from a place of disadvantage, but number one, I want number one, I need you to understand God is with you, man. He's called you. I've laid hands on you, and, and you've got the gift of God imparted unto you, what God has imparted unto me. And he says, number one, your faith has history. Because I, I, he said, I want you to look at your mother, and I want you to look at your grandmother, and, and if your grandmother could deal with your mother who messed with somebody who wasn't one of them, and she made it through that, through Jesus Christ, guess what, Timothy? You can make it through what you're going through also. Amen. So, so, so Timothy, your, your, your faith has history. It was in your mother. It was in your grandmother, and it's passed now on down to you. And I, I want you to understand that, 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 that God is with you because your faith has history. Number two, Timothy, you got a deposit in you. The Bible says we have the earnest of the spirit. The word earnest in its rawest meaning simply means a deposit. God has put a deposit inside of every single one of us as believers. But what are we going to do with the deposit? I, I, I would love it. I, I told the first service, and I'll tell you all, too, and, and you know, if you want to, you know, um, if, if you want to make a deposit into Terrence Ford Ministries, you know, I know my bank account and routing number by heart. I, I, you know, just pull your phone out. We can do it right now. We do Zelle. Y'all, anybody do Zelle? We, we can do it all right now. Amen. I will gladly receive the deposits. Amen. But, but the funny thing is, God has put a deposit inside of every single one of us. Put the Holy Ghost inside of us. We got to start learning to withdraw from the Holy Spirit who never runs dry who never empties out, as long as you keep on being filled. Amen, somebody. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but keep on being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. You got to learn to pull up at the fueling station every day and say, okay, God, I didn't wore out a little bit. I, I need a little, just give me a little bit more, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And God wants you to know that he'll start filling you up, that your cup will begin. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of God in this room. Your cup will begin to overflow. Is there any believers in this house that's looking for overflow? Hallelujah. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For the Bible says you shall be filled. God wants to fill us up. Hallelujah. So you have this deposit, Timothy, but number three, there comes a day and a time that you got to do something with this deposit that's inside of you, Timothy. I need you to start stirring him up. I need you to start stirring up this deposit that, that has been put inside of you. And one interpretation says, I need you to fan in the flame. 
You, you ever, you ever, anybody ever lit something outside and it starts going down and what do you do? You, oh, oh that mug about to go down, let me. You, you start fanning it because what is it going to, it's going to start rekindling that fire again. And God, through the power of the Holy, he's one of, mm, my children's. Let me fan in the flame, just, just fan in the flame on my children a little bit because they need just a little bit more. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. So God says there comes a time where we're going to have to start stirring up what we have on the inside of us. And you want to know how you're going to be able to make it, Timothy? You want to know how you're going to be able to make it, church? Stir up the gift and have no fear. Stir up the gift. And have no fear. Yes, your life is going to be faced with opposition. Yes, your life is going to be faced with decisions. Yes, your life is going to be faced with bad news at times. Yes, your life is going to be faced with crazy circumstances. And yes, you're going to have to deal at times with crazy people. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with cray-cray. Amen. Cray-cray people, they, they sometimes make, make Pastor, I know Pentecostal folks don't do this. But Elder Scott, when I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I got saved, I used to hear people in the old church I came out of say, all right, now you about to make me lay my legend down. <laughs> Ain't forgot where I come from now. That's what they used to say, Pastor. <laughs> you, you can't lay them down, amen. I hope you don't lay them down, amen. <laughs> you about to lay, make me, they ain't say religion. You about to make me lay my religion down. Is that a black thing, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> You're going to be faced with crazy people. You're going to be faced with demonic forces. But God says, stand and stir up the gift. You know what you're going to be stirring up? You're going to stir up power. You're going to stir up love. And you're going to stir up a sound mind. Yeah. I'm not going to lose my sanity, amen, in the midst of this world I'm living in, amen. I'm going to keep my sanity. I'm going to keep my peace. I'm going to keep my joy. Hallelujah. Because my God is just that amazing. Hallelujah. I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to stir it up. And, and I thought about this, and, and I, was, I was just meditating on this. And, and, and as, I, as I prepare to come to a close, there, there was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was one of the major prophets. His name was Jeremiah. And I was, I was looking at Jeremiah, and I, I looked at it, Pastor. And, and, and Jeremiah's name, his name means whom, God, whom Jehovah has appointed. This is what Jeremiah's name means, whom Jehovah has appointed. And, and, and history tells us that, that the Bible tells us that Jeremiah prophesied for 41 years from 629 to 588 B.C. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Prophesying all over the nation of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And you know what? He, he, he prophesied, but, but they would not heed. So therefore, Jeremiah, he kept giving gloom and doom. If you don't repent, if you don't turn, this is what's going to happen. And, and the people just didn't want to hear him. And this is what happened to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, for prophesying, 
He was tied up at the high gate of Benjamin. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. He was tied up, not in a dungeon, not behind, but he was tied up in front of everybody that when everybody walked by, they would look at him and say, oh, look at poor Jeremiah the prophet. And he's tied up there, and, and, and he's made fun of. And because of these things, I discovered that Jeremiah had some interpersonal struggles. And Jeremiah wanted to quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the prophet. Jeremiah wanted to quit because he says, God, they won't listen to me. I'm the laughingstock of Israel, of the nation. You know what, God? I quit. I quit. But in the midst of wanting to quit, Jeremiah discovers something in him that would not let him quit. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, it says, Then I said, I'm not going to make mention of his name anymore. I'm not going to talk about God anymore. He, I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. He says, but. Everybody shout but in this room. It's a conjunction, right? He says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. <laughs> I told first service, I, I remember old school church pastor when, when the spirit got, when, when the service got high and, and folks started running and shouting and dancing and the Hammond organ was roaring and, and the drummer was beating, somebody would grab the mic and they would say, Jeremiah said it's like fire. Anybody remember that? Jeremiah said it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. Shut up in my bones. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Boom, boom, boom. Anybody ever heard that before? That's what they used to sing in the old school church where I came from. Amen, somebody. But Jeremiah said, I wanted to quit. But his word. Somebody shout the word. You know what's going to keep you? The word of God. You know what's going to give you your peace? The word of God. The word of God was like a burning fire. Shut up in my bone. He says, I was weary of holding it in back, but I couldn't. I couldn't. What I had to do, what, what do I got to do? I got to stir it up. I got I to gotta, I gotta release it. I got to stir it up. It's like fire. I can't hold it. I got to let it out. And as you stand on your feet today, I want you to know just, just one thing. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're going through. Listen to me. God gave me this revelation years ago. Even on the devil's good day, God is still winning. Are you hearing me in this room? Even on what appears to be a good day for Satan, our Lord is still winning. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. And just like the text in 2 Timothy 1 and 6, I'm going to ask the elders of the church to come forth. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There are some people in here that know God has called you. And maybe you need confirmation. Maybe you need some affirmation. There, there are some people in this room, maybe you're not even saved yet, but there's a purpose on your life. And you've been dealing with dreams and visions and you don't understand them. We got some anointed hands that want to lay, they, God, God wants to lay hands on you right now. And you need to come. Listen, if you're not saved, we, we do, the pastor does this all the time. And I'm just going to give you the abbreviated version. Lord, I'm a sinner. Yes. 
I acknowledge it. Come into my heart and save me, Jesus. And just like that, if you pray that prayer, listen, God will save you. But if you're in this room and God has been stirring something in you, but it's not complete yet, and you need somebody to give some affirmation and confirmation, won't you come? Won't you come right now? This altar is open. Listen, God wants to stir it up inside of you. You, you may not believe in this, but I'm telling you the power of this right here is so important. God would give you affirmation and he would give you confirmation right here in this environment. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come and receive from him what you need from him? Come saying, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I know you want me to do something. I want you to stir it up. Stir it up, Holy Ghost. Here, have your way in me. And as the song says, God, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. Oh, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. Take my heart and my feet. Touch my soul, Lord. Speak to me if you can use anything. I'm here, Lord. Is that you today? Is that you? Is that you? Won't you come by faith and say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up till I overflow. And I want you to know it don't matter how young you are, how old you are. Moses was called when he was 80, but he, God still used him. Timothy was a young man. Paul said, Timothy, don't let no one despise your youth. That's you today. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.